Welcome in and good evening. This is the Character Concerns show, or is it just Character Concerns? Yeah, just, call it, just call it Character Concerns. I'm Nick Schwartz. He's Christian Ocero with Jay Binkley. We comprise the Character Concerns podcast. If you haven't listened, do yourself a favor and go and do that. But wait a little while before you do it, because for the next three hours, we've got you talking all things NFL draft. The Character Concerns podcast is now Character Concerns colon the show. And but Bink is mo- we, are, as well. we are moments away from Bink crack. No, no, don't do it yet. We are moments away from Binkley cracking an energy drink because he's going to need all the juice he can get here over the next 180 minutes. Okay, Bink, the floor is yours. Go ahead. All right, let's go. There we go. All right. Now we can begin. How are you guys feeling? Three weeks from today, the NFL draft will be taking place right here in Kansas City down at Union Station. I feel like the vibes started to hit me earlier this week, maybe because the calendar turned over to April and it's starting to feel less and less like free agency season and more and more like draft season. Once that calendar turns over, you realize how close you are. Most of the big name free agents have signed somewhere. The holes that teams are trying to fill on their roster. Now you look to the draft to try and figure out exactly how you're going to plug those holes both in the short and the long term. So looking at these next three weeks, Bink, lay out the map for me for Kansas City as to what they're focusing on and what they're trying to do leading up to the draft. Well, right now it's just the uh, settling in the top 30 visits going on right now. Whether you go on a visit or people concerned, I even sent you guys uh, downs, uh, Josh Downs, wide receiver, North Carolina. They said, usually guys go on these visits. What they all do. But they said, well, maybe teams just don't want to look at it. Just for the reference, you sent us a tweet from Ian Rappaport that said, no top 30 visits for Josh Downs, which for those who don't know about top 30 visits, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a top 30 pick. Generally speaking, if you are a day one or day two prospect, you will get some top 30 visits with some teams. Josh Downs, wide receiver, North Carolina has got a grand total of zero of them, which, which is really strange for a guy not to get any at all. But the chiefs, a lot of times use them for seventh rounders, six rounders undrafted. It's just guys to get a look at, get a look at guys. Maybe they didn't get a chance to meet them at the combine. Maybe they didn't go to the combine. They come in here and chiefs have, uh, you know, made their way, made their money going after guys in the later rounds and had success with. That's why 21 to 22, <laughs> Guys, uh, the last guy's picks for the Chiefs are still on this roster, except for Bo P. Keys. So, yes, guys don't typically make these. Sometimes it's a smokescreen, as as Chris will tell you. But it is strange for someone not to have any. I mean, that is a complete smokescreen there. But a lot of times when guys are drafted, the Chiefs have these media conference calls with the player. And one of the first questions out of the media is always, do you like our airport? It's a new one now. Have you had the barbecue and have you talked to the Chiefs? Those three questions right there. In what do order. you know about Kansas? What do you know about Kansas City before you got drafted? Yeah, how about those Chiefs? You excited to be a Chief? So what they're mm-hmm. doing is kind of narrow it down. And I think Bob and I had this this discussion once on the Fesco in the morning a couple weeks ago. And you know, is it good to have free agency before the draft? Because there are some out there that says maybe we should do the draft first and free agency. I kind of like the way it is now. Because they can kind of earmark what you need. Because obviously the Chiefs needs, they didn't dress some of them 
in free agency. And maybe had they would had they done it, maybe if DeAndre Hopkins wasn't asking for the pie in the sky and he's going to be released, it looks like at this point, or Odell, and they bring in somebody like that, it's also a good smoke screen for him too. Like, oh, look, the Chiefs brought in this veteran wide receiver. But I think a lot of teams know the Chiefs do have to draft wide receiver. And I think a lot of them will be conscious when you look at that draft order. That is very important. Who's picking when? in front of the Chiefs. Who do you think could be a trade partner? Because I don't think any of that's going to happen anymore with the Ravens giving us the one guy the Chiefs needed a left tackle in Orlando Brown. Because Baltimore was the best thing smoking at that time. They were right there where the Bills were, and they were, they were way ahead of the Bengals and stuff like that. And then, of course, the Buffalo Bills traded the Chiefs to be able to get Patrick Mahomes. That stuff ends. That stuff ends now where you get the Belichick treatment for a while where nobody would do business with him. Yeah, and I, I think the Chiefs have to be really strategic with their top 30 visits because they don't really want to give away their strategies if, as far as how they're going to draft. I think that's actually what makes this whole season so exciting is that we don't know exactly what they're going to do. They could go receiver first round. I think we all think that that's more than likely what they're going to do, but they could go edge rusher. They could go tackle. There's a lot of different ways they can go. They could surprise people. They could trade back because maybe they don't. Someone's not a first round grade where they're sitting at 31. There's a lot of different options there. So I just think that like, if you're in the position the Chiefs are in, you have to be very strategic. So if they are looking at a guy like Downs, I don't know if you would want other people to know that because if there's another team that covets him then you definitely don't want them to go in and make a move to get ahead of you or just take them in a surprise manner because at that point you lose the guy that you really like. And I think you get to this point and, uh, with the Chiefs and trading up. The Chiefs usually have, what, 19 to 20 guys they give first-round grades to. And the real question is, like a Jalen Hyatt, which, by the way, is really starting. In the beginning – he was all over the Chiefs in the mock drafts in the later later part of the first round. Then he starts sliding to the second round. People said he's not a second rounder. Now, all of a sudden, when you had Charles Davis took him to the Chiefs, when you had Chad Ryder, you'll hear from Ray, later from NFL.com, had the Chiefs trading down the 22 to grab him. Other mocks came out today having him 21. The consensus is it looks like early 20s that he's right in there, um, right behind Jackson Smith and Enigma, maybe Quentin Johnson if you really like him, and then – Jalen Hyatt right in there. Head of Jay, Zay Flowers still at that point. But do the Chiefs value him as a first-round pick? They're not going to trade down unless they value him as a first-round pick. If they don't, they're not going to move. Just like Trent McDuffie. He started to slide a little bit in the draft last year, but the Chiefs had him on their board as a first-round pick, and it wasn't looking like that. And most of these teams, like I said, 19 to 20 guys in the first round with first-round grades and the rest are essentially second-round grades. Is there more gamesmanship involved if, when you're the Chiefs and you know that you have the last pick of the first? You're the last pick of every round, right? The first three days, you're the last pick of each round. Do you have to play this a little bit differently than some other teams knowing that not only are we the last team to pick, but then we have a full day, right? We, we, we are going to have 24 hours. Like, we're the last pick of the day. Then everybody gets a night to sleep on it. How do you handle that differently than if you're picking 20th, than if you're picking 11th? I think it's tough because you look at the Chiefs kind of on house money. Their roster is well-respected around the National Football League. But teams know what they need. It's not one of those situations where there's so many needs. The Chiefs can go and grab everybody. I think a lot of teams kind of know, all right, tackle help. It's 
wide receiver, possibly a tight end. I, I don't think you want to go through this draft and not draft a tight end because I think in three years you'll look back at it, you know, when Kelsey's 37 years old and say, what did the Chiefs take somebody in the biggest tight end draft we've had in decades? But it's kind of out there. The teams know the Chiefs didn't go out and get what they wanted in free and see as far as wide receivers concerned. But there's a lot of people, and they might press on getting a wide receiver. If they're in front of the Chiefs, they might do that. I think at this point there could be five quarterbacks selected, so that does move the Chiefs down from 31 um, down to about 26. And you think about Gonzalez and Weatherspoon in the corners. You take them out of the equation. You take Bijan Robinson out of the question. And all of a sudden, the Chiefs have 23 picks ahead of them to be concerned about. But I think teams know what they want. Um, I do feel they'll, they'll, they'll maybe want to move up. I really think the Chiefs move up in round two. Picking the last pick in the second round, I think that's where they make their move. Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys who are sitting probably in middle second as far as value that could really help the Chiefs. And... I think that the Chiefs are in a position where, like, let's say they go get a tackle or let's say they go get an edge rusher or something in the second round. Well, after that, you could probably afford to sit back and wait to the end of rounds to go get the rest of the guys. Because really, aside from probably the first couple rounds, everything else is you just throwing darts to see if you can find a guy who develops into an incredible player that was undervalued in the draft anyways. There's not a whole lot of needs the Chiefs need to address like they did a year ago where you needed to retool your your uh, your secondary and you, you could definitely use some help on your defensive line and whatnot and linebacking core. And they, they went out and they addressed all those spots because they needed to. But this year, they can afford to take some risks and go after some guys that aren't going to contribute in 2023 but could be 2024, 2025 guys with a little bit of coaching. And I think as far as edge rushers concerned, we've started to see a little bit of a shift. I've told you how much value it is to get somebody in the first round, picks one through 18. I mean, that's the last two years it's loaded the top 20 sackers in the NFL with those guys. But then you see the outliers, like Max Crosby's the outlier of that too. With the Raiders. George Karloftis was the outlier. And I think this year's becomes a lot more outliers where you'll see a lot more second-round picks be the dominant edge rusher. It's no longer you've got to get one through 18 and you're not going to get one. I kind of feel that way with wide receiver, well, too. That, well, wide it's receiver, we've heavy, seen the shift. Deep. It's just deep. If you go back over each of the last three seasons, there have been at least 15 wide receivers taken in the first three rounds. I think the shift from team's mindset has been we no longer need to spend a high-value pick on a wide receiver unless it's a Jamar Chase type. Unless we think this guy is a once every 10 years type player, because there's going to be plenty of value later in the first round. There's going to be plenty of value on day two as well. We haven't quite seen that with edge rusher. And I think it's more about how the, how defensive coordinators in the league are setting these guys up as well as like what college teams are doing to get them prepared, because that's what we're seeing. We're seeing now offenses that are tailor made, for wide receivers to be able to come in and be productive right away. I wonder if we'll start start to see that with edge rushers as well. Yeah, I think so. And there's not that certifiable guy you say this is going to be a stud. Like Justin Jefferson did fall to 22. But you knew that guy was going to be good. Yeah. Jamar Chase, <laughs> that you said, the example, when the Bengals took him in top five, he was going to be good. I can't look at these receivers and say, all right, this guy is guaranteed he'll be in the Pro Bowl. Not in this year. class. I don't see it at all. The only one that had that potential to be that, I felt as Jackson Smith Enigma from Ohio State. 
Why? Because he was the best quarterback or best wide receiver on a roster that had the NFL Rookie of the Year offensive in Garrett Wilson. It had Chris Olave on that, and he was better than them. Of course, he got hurt last year. We're going to get more into the wide receivers, Jackson Smith and Jigba included, coming up later this hour. What do you think the Chiefs draft strategy should be? Let us know on the Jays Southland Toe Service text line, 913-586-7610. We'll give you our thoughts coming up next. It's Character Concerns on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Schwartz, Jay Binkley, Chris Nocero. It's character concerns on 610 Sports Radio. Julio on the switches. If you have a comment, a question, 913-586-7610, get in on the conversation. For the Chiefs draft strategy, three weeks from today, the NFL draft begins here in Kansas City. It's going to be a busy week here on 610 Sports Radio. We've got stuff going on all week starting on Tuesday night, drafts and drafts. Tuesday, April 25th at 6.30 from the landing in Liberty. I will be emceeing a roundtable discussion with Nate Taylor, Mitchell Schwartz, and a special guest. The event is free, open to the public. That means anybody can come down there, raise the hand, grab a mic, ask a question, get in on the combo. Should be a fun time. We're going to have the three of us live draft coverage from Cinder Block Brewery yeah. on Friday, it's April 28th, that following the Royals game, which should get over around like 7 o'clock or so. Seven-ish, yeah. But so second, third rounds will be down there. We've done stuff at Cinder Block, and I've talked to the brewer. It looks like there's going to be a character concerns beer. Whoa. At that <sighs> event. Sound, sound right. the alert. Is, is, what, do you know what the name of it's called? Uh, we haven't got the name down, but I'm like character concerns. I like that. character concerns. I That's like, a great like that name too. for I beer. Like character concerns like beer, but it's just going to be available. That night only, we're going to tap. They're going to let us tap the beer. Um, anybody can have the beer. And there's another uh, special thing that might happen. I don't want to give that out, but we'll be doing don't, a wet t-shirt contest. Don't, don't, yeah, I, I'm, I'm for okay. My girlfriend wouldn't like that, but... Um, I would love it. <laughs> it's for work. It's for work. It's for work. It's for work purposes. But anyway, we got a lot of stuff we'll be going there, on. By the way, we're going to be there on Friday and Saturday at Cinder Block Brewery. So we're going to be there both during, oh, sorry, sorry, excuse me, during the second and third rounds second, third on round. Friday. I was yeah, you got to be excited again. So if you don't, if you don't want to like fight through the crowds to go downtown and try to be at the actual draft, come out north. Cinder Block Brewery. It's going to be a great time. By yeah, the way, the biggest, one of the one of the funniest things that we're doing, one of the coolest things that we're doing, we're giving away VIP parking with Crown Center. We've got four spaces for Thursday, four spaces for Friday, two for Saturday in the Pershing Garage. So you can win tickets on Thursday, April 20th at the 31 starting at 731 in the morning on Fesco. That's parking in the Crown Center garages. Those rates go for $50 on April 27th. This town loves parking. Through save, April 29th. Save yourself some money and try to win those parking. Kansas City yeah. loves parking, but we'll be on Thursday night. We'll be doing a live show so you can follow along with us. We'll That's tell you right. about all these. It's going to be, we're going to have, we're, we're going to be doing a live show. You're going to have Fesco in the morning. Uh, they're going to be on location at the, at the Crown, or at, um, 
the Crown Center. Uh, or, Crown Center. Crown Center. Yeah. You're going to have uh, Cody and Gold, who are going to be at the Boulevard deck. You're going to have Dusty on the red carpet. Which is scary. You're going to have Pete and Nate out live at Arrowhead. We're going to be sending it all, all over, over Kansas place. City. We have got our tentacles spread all over the The last town. couple of years on draft cover, the fun thing is, I'll let you know about the players, because we got those little minettes, too. We got those little minettes to tell you all the player. That's six foot five, 245 pound, and just a wrecker at USC, those kind of things. We've got those. And the fun thing is, too, because we've all put our mock draft out for the entire NFL. Usually it's just the Chiefs. We did Chiefs in the entire NFL. Is when these teams are getting ready to pick, we get to put our money where our mouth is and see who gets the pick right. Oh. Yeah. I like okay, let me ask you this then. Let's <laughs> let's get right into it. I want you to close your eyes, Bink. I want you to use your imagination because I'm gonna present to you a hypothetical that's gonna be tough for you to imagine. Brett Veach calls you tomorrow morning, eight AM. His eyes are really closed for he y'all. Says, for y'all wonder. He says, Hey Bink, um, you know, we're we're about three weeks away from the draft and I don't really know what to do. I got a lot of options. The pressure's on. We're defending champs. I don't know whether I should trade up. I don't know whether I should trade back. Do I stick at 31? Do I go offense? Do I go defense? What should be my strategy for this draft? Bink, what do you answer to Brett Veach? I think he stays put at 31 because I do think a uh, talented wide receiver will still be there. And if they get the, get the fear that they won't. And the four guys that they earmarked, three to four guys, that's what uh, I'll play something later for you. Brett Veach. Usually, let's say Andy Reid, three to five guys. You pick which one you like best. That does play into their factors and who they take. Okay, so let me, let me back not- it up then real quick. Let me back it up because I want to I look at this from a big picture view. When you're, when you're preparing for the draft as a GM, you're not just making a board and saying, I hope this guy falls to me, right? You have first-round grades. And they, that may or may not be 31 players. It probably won't probably be. 19 or 20. And if, if everybody's through that, then you sit there and just wait patiently. Then you go on to your, your board. They always say just best player available. Well, that, that goes kind of out the window. Best player available in the slots that you need, which is offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, not necessarily in order, wide receiver, t- offensive lineman, tight end, is what I'd go with that or defensive lineman. So you really are going into the draft and you're saying – I'm picking one of these four guys, best one of these four positions. Best available in the position group we need the most. So if there's, wasn't a, really so if, addressed if there's a cornerback who just happens to go on this massive slide that you had as the sixth best player in the draft, you don't you don't alter your plans at that like point? Like a Trent McDuffie last year, there was a perfect example of someone slipping and falling, and she's going, well, we got to get up there and get him. And they had the ammunition to do it. Ten picks in this year's draft. They had ten last year. Seven were used on defense. Um, I just think this could be an offensive-heavy draft. I do. Chiefs have made their bread and butter as far as winning with rookies. They had four rookies uh, in the defensive backfield in the Super Bowl. You had two seventh-round picks, and Jalen Watson just starring in the postseason, getting two picks in the postseason. You had Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round. A lot of teams use those seventh-rounders and undrafted fridges as dart throws. The Chiefs used them as commodities that could help them win. And you know what they had to and all those teams that are going to be paying quarterbacks, like Justin, Bur- like Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, Justin Herbert with the Chargers, when Jalen Hurts gets his money. My biggest question is that's fine. People really like these teams. I like those teams. Thing is, can you win once you pay your quarterback? That's the big thing. Can you win once you pay him? The Chiefs proved they could. They paid Mahomes, and they went the rookie route with a lot of their young talent, infusing their young talent. They had to do it. You just didn't have the space to go out and do it. People called this a rebuilding year. Uh, Brett Veach even mentioned that 
at the parade? What kind of rebuilding year is it? They they played the third most rookies in the NFL. You know the teams that played number one and two rookies in the NFL? They're picking one and two in this year's draft. Or were until Carolina made the move up. Yeah, I, I think you prioritize the positions that matter the most to you. And if you feel like there's not a guy in that spot, then I, I think you probably look to try and trade back. Even if that's not the popular thing for fans, I think you prioritize prioritize trading back because I think in the Chiefs' position, and we saw the Patriots do this for years when they were in this spot, you find the most value for the picks that you have. And if you don't get the kind of value that you want at 31, then you go find the value where it is for that player. So if you if a guy is like, if, you, if you're pretty sure a guy's going to be available mid-second and you're sitting there at 31, 32, move back. Get some extra picks back and use and use it to take more shots. Because all it takes is for you to just like, the the draft is all just throwing darts. So the more darts you got, the better chance you have of hitting. So I, I think in that case, you try and maximize the value that you have for for certain players. I would really like to see a move up from sixty three in the second round and be picking at like 31, 37, 38, something like that. Oh, by the way, we had a great question about Stetson Bennett on the uh, text okay. line. I don't know if you really did. Oh, really? He was, he was so excited. Right. About I, I, I just question. didn't know if you saw it or not. I'm halfway had, through the show, the first hour. You said, he you said some questions in. in. He had to sneak that one in. He loved it. Just because right someone hey, so, someone's throwing stuff from the peanut gallery doesn't mean it warrants a it response. my phone. I want to talk about wide receivers because there is – this growing sense that a couple of the guys are maybe falling, but yet the dudes who you think are going to be there at 31 might not be worthy of a first-round pick. We're going to get into that coming up next. It's Character Concerns on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick, Bank, and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to join the conversation, you can do so via the text line 913-586-7610. I am Nick Schwert, Chris Unocero. Jay Binkley, this is Character Concerns, talking all things NFL Draft. Three weeks from today, the Chiefs will, well, they won't be on the clock. They'll actually have to wait a very, very long time. How, how many hours will we have to get into the draft before the Chiefs actually make <laughs> their selection? Unless they trade up, it's very end. You know, so of, late. Back in 2013 when they took Eric Fisher, I'll never forget, we were, we were out there at Arrowhead, you know, covering the draft. And there was a huge draft party right there. But the Chiefs had the first pick on the clock. A lot of people there. They make the pick. Everybody, like, leaves. Like, 10 minutes later, everybody's gone for the whole draft party. Just kind of boop. The beautiful thing is that it is in Kansas City, so a lot of people, I would assume, will be sticking around toward to the bitter end, which is great for the NFL, right? That the team whose city is hosting the draft is the last pick of that round, so you know all the people happen. that are in attendance, at least the ones who are from Kansas City, are going to stick around to the very end of the first round. That's great for the league. Three now, or 400,000 people that are coming here. For the sake of this conversation, and maybe this we can move this to potentially trading up or trading back, but for the sake of this conversation, if the Chiefs are to sit there at 31, what do you think realistically their options are going to be at wide receiver? Because I look at this wide receiver class, and at the top, it's very fluid in terms of, who has who as the top receiver in this class? You go look at 10 different big boards. 
you may have three or four different guys as the number one wide receiver. I've seen a lot with Quentin Johnston. He's fallen as of late. Maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba is the guy. I've seen a lot of people who are very high on Zay Flowers. Jordan Addison is still a name that's getting a lot of pop. If the Chiefs sit there at 31, realistically, what do you think their options would be at wide receiver? I think Zay Flowers, even though the latest mocks have him moving quite up, I've seen a lot of the second rounders. My, my biggest thing is this. The guys that fall and move up this time of the draft, it's kind of like, well, a couple weeks ago, right after the combine, you said they're second rounders. Then how'd they magically become first rounders when they haven't done anything? They haven't played. They haven't done anything. That's the magic. They just dominated the, the interview. Draft. You know what happens is word of mouth. Somebody will throw their mock out there like Kuiper, McShay, or whatever, and it's like, ooh, maybe we overvalued this guy or we undervalued this guy, and they move up. But it's the funniest thing when guys have not moved. The thing about teams are they don't move from their draft board because they've seen them play. They've got on a plane, went up to Chestnut Hill, watched Zay Flowers in person. They know what they're doing and where he's going to go. Um, like Personally, I think when you look at a Jordan Addison or Jalen Hyatt, you got to put some stock in the guys that won the Blitnikoff Award as the best receiver in the country. Because that guy awards. like Jamar Chase went pretty well when he had the uh, Blitnikoff Award. So they've done things. Not only that, they did them at two schools. Obviously, Jordan Addison a better year at uh, Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett than what he's had at USC. Um, I think they'll be sitting here, and I'm hoping the top four, my top four receivers and Quentin Johnson, Jackson Smith, and Enigma. Jackson Smith actually is number one. Three Jalen Hyatt, Jordan Addison would be my top four. If those four aren't there, that's when I think you make that position. Would move. you like? Would so you would not be a fan of Zay Flowers at thirty-one? No, I would, but I think it's kind of settling because that size. I'm not sure because the Chiefs have a lot of Zay Flowers type players. They don't have that big physical wide receiver, and I get it. These these guys aren't like you know Jalen Hyatt's six foot tall, but he doesn't have. You know the girl. He's like 175 pounds. Hey, Quentin Johnson, he's not a big wide receiver. I, I saw Quentin I, Johnson is that prototypical guy. They do not. He's six three two zero eight and can be a number one receiver. So here's my thing about the whole physical thing. And you're and not Jackson the, Smith. It's a very popular opinion. The idea yeah. that a lot of these the, the guys in this class are undersized. They're slot receivers. The Chiefs already have undersized guys. A couple things here. First off, Quentin Johnston is not without his knocks. Like, yes, physically, he is a freak. He profiles as a legit X receiver in the NFL. It's not as though he is Julio Jones coming out of college. Like, there's a reason why this guy seemingly is falling a little bit. He He's more of a project, I think. I'm not sure he's going to be ready to be, like, your number one from day one. Drops are a concern. He doesn't play. Like, yeah, he's a big, he's a big strong receiver. I watched TCU a lot. He didn't play with a ton of physicality, despite the fact that he has all the physical traits the bigger thing to me is Andy Reid is like a master chef. It doesn't matter what ingredients you give him. He is going to produce a, an incredible meal. And I, I've never seen him, with the exception of Terrell Owens, who, by the way, ran a 4-2. He's never had one of those big physical dominant X receivers. So why does it matter if those guys aren't going to be available for but him now? But he's coveted them. Has he? Yes. When has he shown yes. you that? Yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster. No, seriously. <laughs> Juju's not a prototypical one. He's not. No, but they he's got use this, him downfield. He's got the size <laughs> and the X. They wanted somebody physical underneath. And I'll tell you why. Not this year. The year before, Andy Reid put a hardcore press. I've never seen him do anything like that for free agency. He wanted Juju. He's texting pictures of the ring. That's how bad they need him. The Chiefs needed an X receiver. Sammy Watkins provided that for him. You know, during the regular season. 
And I've given you an example that when they played the Patriots in a regular season, it was Stephon Gilmore coming off defensive player of the year. That was on, it wasn't on Tyreek Hill the whole game. He was on Sammy Watkins. He's coveted that more physical wide receiver in Juju. Really wanted him two years ago. Finally got him this year. This was uh, Brett Veach. And he kind of gleams what he wants. He wants receivers to be able to do everything. He doesn't want you pigeonholed into one area or another. He wants you to play slot. He wants you to play outside. What Andy Reid wants is interchangeable parts where if someone comes out, it doesn't matter who he puts in. Here was Brett Veach on Pat McAfee on what he looks for as far as that versatility. Well, I think um, you you kind of alluded to it. It's speed and um, and versatility, which which goes with the, the player's aptitude to be able to come in and learn plays. Coach likes to um, – he likes to create matchup problems, and he, he likes – um, offensive players that can play multiple positions. So if he wants to get to a player or a look that's successful, it doesn't have to be that same receiver running that play or that same running back running that play. So any guy that can come in here and, and certainly speed is right at the, the forefront of, um, you know, skill sets that are valued and desired. But guys that can run, but also, um, like I mentioned, just be versatile and line up in different positions, um, play multiple positions. Um, you know, we like receivers that can play inside and outside, and we, we like running backs that can go out and, and play in the slot. So anytime you get speed and versatility, um, you, you know, needless to say, those guys will be high on our priority list. And it's Brett Veach, McAfee, like McCole Hardman. He wasn't – McCole Hardman wasn't a guy that could go onto the outside. He's inside. What Andy's saying, if somebody gets hurt, somebody else can go in there. You don't have to worry about Here's it. Here's the problem, though. If they really coveted guys like Juju that much – why didn't they try to keep Juju? They got what they wanted out of Juju. Chris, one year? But they got one year out of Juju. But, but it was going to be if the cost he, going he, up. I mean, look. If, you don't remember his hardcore press on Juju two years ago. No, no, no. Did, right now, though. But if the hardcore press was Money that wasn't hardcore, there. Money wasn't available. He got his other ring. They offered him a contract. It just wasn't as much for the as, as the Patriots were willing to offer. But they got what they wanted from Juju. If, the price went up. But if... Th- but it didn't. Clearly it did not go up. It, the it price did not go up for what they wanted to spend. They. It, it, that's my point, though, is that they coveted him to a certain price. It wasn't like he. he I have never seen the Chiefs a want a player like they wanted. No, no, no. Juju. no, no. But, but, but you can't be, keep going back that to that long, and then ignore the fact that they could have had him for. A, I mean, and for all intents and purposes, Juju saw like there was no market for him this no, offseason. Not at all. There was nothing. It was Chiefs and the and Chiefs Patriots, and that still, was it. and the Chiefs still said Patriots, you can have him on a dirt cheap. Well, maybe deal. they yeah. saw what they needed to see because they had him every day. Yeah, and I think but, that's but probably the allure of Juju, that's who they wanted. For Andy Reid to be texting a player to bring him in here shows me everything I need to know okay. about how bad he wanted. But I wonder where those texts were at this summer. Yeah, right, where they, were they at? Where they were they at they last wanted. month? They saw what they wanted. He was living in their own house. He's using their own bathrooms, washing his hands at the same place. They saw everything on a juju they could possibly see, and they're like, well, maybe we're wrong. Well, he's got, he's got, first off, he's got the knee issues. I think, second, secondly, but they wanted that type. Of, sure, but I don't know what that type is because juju, we throw around the term number one receiver as if, if you're the leading receiver in an offense, you're number one. That's not what a number one receiver is. That's like calling anybody's number one pitcher. Uh, an, an ace. Big They're not physical, all... able to get off the okay. block yards per catch. That's fine. But what the Chiefs offense, what Andy Reid's offense has always, always, always been predicated on, even going back 15 years ago to Philadelphia, to be a receiver in the Chiefs offense, you have to do one of a couple things. Take the top off the defense, create separation, or be a yak machine. What the funny thing is, wait, 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 they, wait. they had MVS and they didn't do it. 
Juju he's not reliable. was a yak machine, right? <laughs> That's what he did. Yes. But he's not a great, I mean, he's, he's not somebody who can beat you downfield. And he's not someone, if I'm looking at the next three years, I don't see him becoming a different player in this offense, which is why moving forward, it's like, what are you going to draft? Are you going to draft a guy who you think can be a nice, steady underneath target? Or are you going to draft a guy who can get open and be reliable downfield? I think that's what the Chiefs are going to go for, and I don't think they're going to care if that player happens to be 5'9 instead of 6' foot tall. Here, here's what I'll, I'll say about it. I do think the Chiefs like having a Juju type, like you brought up, like Sammy Watkins. Not as their number one, though. They want him to be a complimentary player to their number one. Because they didn't have a true number one yeah, once Tyree but, Kill left. But that's the thing, though. Is like they, they still coveted that type. But they like toughness. They, they like do. toughness. Oh, 100% I agree with that. Sammy was extremely 100%, tough. Not only that, Juju is the one that put Vontez Perfect on his butt. Right. And he had always haunted the Steelers. Yeah. And he cracked him hard and left. You know, they had to take him out of the game because uh, Juju hit him so hard. Yeah, they do covet that, but they don't covet as a number one. They don't covet it as let's spend our most valuable assets to get that. They like that as, oh, let's use that as a complimentary to our true number one. Their number one, Andy's number ones, Deshaun Jackson, Tyreek Hill, uh, Terrell Owens, guys like that. Terrell Owens, big body, but it's the speed and the agility and the separation that uh, make him the number one in Andy's system. They like those guys like that. They don't really care about guys who are huge because they don't throw the kind of routes that those receivers are, are most valuable in. Which receiver would you like to see wear red and gold from this draft class? Let us know. The text line, 913-586-7610. I'd imagine some more of those names are going to come up in the next segment. It's time for some mock talk, boys. This is Character Concerns on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick, Bank, and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Download and listen to the Character Concerns podcast on the Odyssey app, 610sports.com, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes released every Tuesday morning featuring the three of us, Jay Binkley, Chris Inocero. I am Nick Schwartz. We've got you till 9 o'clock tonight talking all things NFL Draft. This is character concerns mock draft season's been going on for a while now we have officially released two mock drafts two different types of mock drafts we did a full seven round chiefs mock draft where we just mocked all 10 of the chiefs draft selections then we did a first round simulation to try and get a sense of who potentially would be there for the chiefs at the end of the round it's so funny to me watching week to week and if I know the three of us are like, anytime you see a mock draft pop up on Twitter, uh, NFL.com, Yahoo, we'll, doesn't we'll matter where. I'm watching all, I'm looking at all of them. Even if it's a guy. They know, have grown exponentially, man. They're they like are, they're uh, getting, sunflowers. They're getting ridiculous Well, they change so much week to week. And the biggest trends I've seen lately, maybe about a week ago, started seeing Hendon Hooker pop up into the first round a little bit more. Starting to see Quentin Johnston fall down like earlier you thought he may be a fringe top 10 pick now Taking all of a sudden, Will Levis full. looking like he might be in the 20s Will Levis is falling the the interesting one over the last like 24 to 48 hours though and Bink you shared this with us the idea that 
Maybe C.J. Stroud to Carolina yeah. at number one is not as big of a certainty as people were making it out to see him it, a couple weeks ago. Of course, and I love all the people who says, well, he went to dinner with the Tappers. He went to dinner with Carolina, and I was like, wait a second. So did Bryce Young. So did Will Levis. All of them went to dinner with the Carolina Panthers. But here's the thing. There's no need for them to throw a smoke screen. And as you get closer to the draft, you'll start to know who the number one pick is. There, there's no benefit for them. I mean, it doesn't matter who they're taking – because it's their choice. They can do whatever they want. So there's not as much smoke screen, I believe, in that pick. But, yeah, you see more and more Bryce Young. I, I think Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud have that cachet about them. And you go back that year of the pandemic where, you know, guys were, were, were taken that had no business being taken like Zach Wilson to the Jets because they didn't play, except for BYU, they did play non-conference games. But nobody else did. And I took the guys like Trevor Lawrence because you knew he was going to be something because he played in the national championship game 1-1. They were made guys. They had played in the postseason and done things. A lot of these guys haven't. They hadn't done things. But the more quarterbacks are taken from the Chiefs, the better. We mentioned Will Levis, the quarterback for Kentucky that transferred from Penn State, who's thrown 23 interceptions, by the way, in the last two years. And he looks like a WWE wrestler at this point. He's gained so much muscle mass, which I don't think is a great thing for a quarterback. And he likes to pose in front of the mirror, which I don't think it's is kind of giving thing. me Brady Quinn vibes. To be honest with you, <laughs> but I'm I'm not. Will Levis, do you need to be that strong? Will Levis will probably be running the gym in three years. Come down and work out with Will Levis. That's what he probably was going to be doing in about three years. But you know what? Selling protein. He's still <laughs> sell protein shake. He's still going to go. He's going he's to sell a home in the gym first round. That's good Jackson though, <laughs> because he still will go before the Chiefs pick. Because everybody's so starved for a quarterback in the National Football League. If you can throw the football, they'll take you but we need five quarterbacks taken in the first round. I, I think there's a very, especially because Hendon Hooker's starting to move up now. I've seen a lot of mocks where he goes like 23 to the Vikings. Which is good. He could be the best one. I remember yeah. when Lamar Jackson was taken. Nobody believed that he goes 32. Yeah. And then you have a Josh Darnold going 10 to Carter. I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. Did you did you not watch these cats play in college? Yeah. <laughs> like Lamar is a better player. Not only that, Lamar had a better season the year after he won the Heisman. Yeah, he did. He did. I, I I think a lot of what what is happening with these mocks is like certain people are kind of overvaluing guys. Like they're like, oh, I really like this player, so like they should be taken way higher than what I think their perceived value is. Like Kendon Hooker. Last week, Mike Tannenbaum had him going fifth overall to the Seahawks. If they were to draft him at fifth overall, that's a that's a move that gets you fired as a general manager. There's a reason why Tannenbaum's in the media. Yeah, there's a the reason team. why he's at ESPN now instead of a GM for the Giants, I mean, for, the, for the Jets or, or Dolphins. Or, yeah, he'll, he'll be a guest for us next year. Uh, it, it was an awful mock, but it's like it's, and welcome it's, Mike Tannenbaum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then we have to disregard everything he puts on there because it's going to be a terrible mock draft he gives us. But it's like it's things like that where it's like you you have to understand value for these guys too. It can't just be like, there's certain guys I really, I really like Jalen Hyatt. I'm not going to mock him to 11. When we did our, our first round mock, yeah. I'm not going to mock him to the Titans at 11 because I know that there are that he's not the most coveted receiver in this draft class, even if I think he might have the highest upside of them, aside from maybe like Jackson Smith. So do you, think, do you think mocks, yeah, so can't mocks serve both purposes of like, hey, I want to fill out a mock where I'm predicting what I think teams should do versus what I think teams will do. I think you do both because 
I think the, the purpose of mock drafts, and people act like mock drafts are dumb and you don't care about them, that's fine. I'm telling you right now, every single every single front office in the NFL is doing mock drafts. Yeah. Because they well, they don't call or them mocks. Yours. They call them simulations. They're trying to figure out, okay, if the board falls this way, what is going to be available to us? What about plan B, plan C, plan D? They're trying to prepare for every possible scenario. Yeah, and Kuiper and McShay, they put a lot of weight between – uh, certain guys in the NFL.com, guys like Charles Davis, I always think it does a great job on the mock because he goes outside the fold. But there becomes too many when you're just throwing names out there because at the end of the draft, you go, well, I had him going here. Well, because you filled out, it's like brackets. When you say, well, I had UConn winning at all because you had 25 brackets yeah. filled out. <laughs> exactly so don't, don't give me UConn because you had Michigan State a bunch of times too. So the bottom line is mocks get kind of out of control. That's why we did the point five. Like, we, hey, that's a new trend, by the way. Everybody's got 1.0, 2.0, I hope it doesn't point. become a trend. I want that to be our thing. Well, you just don't do too many because, you know what? Things don't change. And we sat down and did those mock drafts. They have not played a football game. They have done nothing. Yes, some of them done the pro days because they didn't run at the combine. They go and run at the pro days. That's fine. Numbers are slated when you do pro days. Guys run a lot faster. Remember that whole combine or the uh, during the pandemic? When they didn't have combine, they were oh, doing pro yeah, days. Yeah. And they were, you were seeing those all those 300. Were you were seeing all those three, 300 pounders, like Sam Cosby and stuff, yeah. run like 4'8 and 4'9. Right. Come on, man. <laughs> I I like, I've, I used to be, I'm like a mock draft convert. I used to be a mock draft hater. I said, these things are stupid. There's too many of them. Yeah. And then, you know, you get a taste. Get you a taste. say, I see I, what all the fuss is sweet about. Sweet nectar is Mitch Holtus would call right, it. So I will say this. You are right. Mock, most mock drafts are trash. They're awful. And I under, and I and most of them I hate. But there are some guys out there that I think are very sensical. And there's parts where I disagree with them on, but like I can understand where they're coming I, from. I think there's a lot of copying. There's it, it, to, oh, tons it, of copying. It's the same the same thing, Nick, you're a college basketball guy. If nobody really really offers a guy and he's looked at as like a three star, what happens if Bill Self recruits that player? He jumps up to four or five real quick, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Bill Self's interested in him. So he goes from two stars to four stars like that instantaneously. Oh, Bill Self's interested in him. Let's bump him up. A lot of that, a lot of this with the mocks. You know, when, when a Kuiper McShay really hops on board with somebody or Daniel Jeremiah, somebody like that that's got some, you know, influence going into it or hears from the GMs and kind of Andrew Branner that, that knows the inside scoop. When they do it, they're kind of, hmm, maybe we should pay attention to this guy. But most of these guys already know they're bored. They know who's good, who's bad. Why? Because they've seen them in person. The Chiefs are playing with house money at one position. We'll tell you what it is next. This is Character Concerns on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.